This is Kyle McCord, and listen to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back right now. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Rooney. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get to rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time. The only time zone that matters. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate brought to you by CampusCant.com. That's Matt Bruning, but Austin Nace had to escort his paintings from the Freeport in Oslo to his vault in Switzerland, so he is not with us tonight. So on a Naceless version of tonight's show, whose stock is up, whose stock is down, and who can you trust after week three? But we start naturally with Jake Hayner and the Fresno State Bulldogs. Fresno State pulling the quote-unquote upset 40 to, uh, 40 to 37 over number 13, UCLA. Jake Hayner was 39 for 53 for 455 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Um, if you watched the tailgate, I think a couple of us actually called this game. I called it. Austin called it uh, the win for the, for the Bulldogs. But the box score – itself does not do Jake Hayner's performance justice. We just don't give quarterbacks credit for some of the little things, and we need to go through this game. I mean, Jake Hayner has, if not, if one of, or if not the highest IQ at the quarterback position in the country. In the first quarter, there was a fumble by Jalen Cropper at the goal line in the, uh, uh, right there at the goal line. The refs said he was down. They get to the line of scrimmage in about three seconds to attempt to prevent the review. They didn't abs- They didn't do it because they blew the whistle, but they got to the line so fast. There's no way that that was communicated to Jake Hayner in that time that tells you how much control he has over that offense and what he sees. Little things. That's not going to show up on the box score. Um, Third and 18 in the first quarter. What would coaches do in that situation? What would Ryan Day do with C.J. Stroud? What would Lincoln Riley do with uh, Spencer Rattler? They're running screens. They're running draws. They have complete faith in Jake Hayner. 25-yard back shoulder throw to Tony Jones. I mean, it's things like that. Yes, it's the completion, but it's the confidence that the coaches have in him to even call that play, to even go for it there. Third and 10, they're not scared. They're throwing it down the field. Third and 18 against UCLA on the road, they're throwing a back shoulder fade to Tony Jones for 25 yards. 
little things. Jay Kaner, fourth and short uh, in the second quarter. They put Jay Kaner in the backfield as a personal protector while they're punt while they're punting. Jay Kaner draws them offside on fourth and four uh, and gets the first down. It's not going to show up in the box score. They're up 23-10 at halftime on the road to UCLA, the number 13 team in the country. They just beat LSU. They curb stomped Hawaii, who many thought, many thought that Hawaii was going to win that game. Third quarter, third and 10 in the red zone, rollout pass to his left. Jake Hanner puts it on a dime to a wide receiver. Wide receiver drops it, prevents what would have been a first and goal from the four. Remember, it's 23-10 at at this time. They could have gone up even more. They could have gone up 30-10. to 10. And I think that people have heard about the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, we talk about it, let's talk about adversity. Jay Kaner, big fumble in the red zone that gives UCLA the ball back. UCLA ends up taking a four-point lead with left, less than six minutes left after a Josh Kelly fumble. With 3-0-2 left, and the Bulldogs down by four. Jake Hayner takes a shot to his hip oblique area. He's down. He's in pain. This is second and goal from the 20-yard line. Second and goal from the 20-yard line. You're talking about all the defensive backs playing back. Everyone knows what's going on here. Third and goal from the 20-yard line. He throws a dime to the front corner pylon. Just outside of the grass of a UCLA defender touchdown but he takes another shot he takes another shot to that hip oblique area he is writhing in pain he is writhing in pain on the ground but they're up they're up uh 33 to 30 with 257 left it's not over it's not over dtr he leads a drive he gets ucla into the end zone with just 54 seconds left 54 seconds left at the rose bowl 54 seconds left with G5 Fresno State down by four on the road to the number 13 team in the country. Their mobile quarterback can't run anymore. He's now effectively a drop back to passer. He can't move. He's limping around on the field. They get the ball at the 25-yard line. He hits Jalen Cropper for a 10-yard catch. Then he hits Jalen Cropper for a 20-yard catch over the middle. Cropper gets out of bounds. He hits Josh Kelly for 25 yards against a soft cover two zone uh, along the right sideline. That is the exact throw, the exact throw that that defense is designed to prevent. And he hits it along the sideline and they get out of bounds. Jake Hayner puts it on a dime between the cornerback and the safety, just over the cornerback's uh, arms. So now they're at the 15-yard line. They're at the 15-yard line with like 20 seconds left. There's a short dump off to Ronnie Rivers. He goes out of bounds for two, two yards or so. It's second and 11 from the 18-yard line. UCLA has nothing but defensive backs on the field. And Jake Hayner whips a sidearm back shoulder throw with 15 seconds left to play to Jalen Cropper. He can't even walk off the field. Jake Hayner, he can't walk off the field. He drops to his knees and he raises his hands to the air. It's an image that we are going to remember forever. Forever. It's the, an image and it's a game that we're going to remember forever. You think about Byron Leftwich being carried down the field in Marshall with, by his offensive lineman. You think about Tua Tagovailoa in that national championship game, coming in at halftime to save that national championship game. Think about Baker Mayfield planting the flag on the O at Ohio State at the end of that upset. In the pantheon of college football of the best games, this game, even if you didn't see it because it ended at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, it's going to go down as one of the greatest games, one of the greatest upsets we've ever seen. Jake Hayner against UCLA and or Oregon. 69 for 96, 69 for not, uh, six, 69 for 96, three touchdowns, one interceptions, one interception, 72% completion percentage. 
against those two power five football teams. Oregon's what? The number uh, number three team in the country now? They're a little bit lower than that. They're, they're top six for sure. We're a top six football team. If he's the quarterback for Oregon, that game against Fresno State is a blowout. And if it's not Anthony Brown, it's an absolute blowout. We, we saw Zach Wilson this weekend try to make spectacular play after spectacular play. Jake Hayner is someone who makes the right play every time. He's someone who gives you, who gets the ball to the open receiver every time. He, he, makes, he, he makes it look mundane. He's keeping his, his team ahead of the chains, getting first downs. And I tell you what, Austin's not here, but he is wrong about Jake Hayner's athleticism. He has the ability to escape. He has the ability to run. He has a Tony Romo level of athleticism. Does he do a lot of underneath stuff? Yes, he absolutely does. But he takes shots when necessary. Took the shot to 25 yards to Tony Jones to get that first down. He takes the shot to uh, Josh Kelly at the end of the at the end of the game to get that first down for 25 yards. He has enough. Does he have the strongest arm? No, he doesn't have D- DJ Uyunglele's arm. But being able to make throws from different angles, being able to get a team to jump off sides, being able to rush your team to the line of scrimmage in three seconds so you can prevent a review, that's not something you see C.J. Stroud doing. It's not something you see Spencer Rattler doing. I don't even think it's something you see Sam Howell doing. He has the highest IQ at the quarterback position in the country. He's Brandon Lejeune talked about him. Shout out to Brandon on his podcast today. Jay Kaner is on the rise. I would not be surprised to see him taken on day two. And I've said this, listen, I've been talking about Jay Kaner on this podcast for a very long time. But I would not be surprised to see him taken in the on day two in the third round. And if he even if in the fourth round, I'm going to have him rostered on all of my dynasty teams. You talk about Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, even Tony Romo, Russell Wilson. He is that player for this 2022 class. He's that player for this 2022 class. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. So I got some questions for you because I, I did a little research on Jay Kaner myself, knowing we were likely going to talk about him today. Um, so I brought up some uh, this is not really going to play well for the podcasting audience. But for those of you watching here, I want to uh, show you something. Jay Kaner, obviously a G5 quarterback. Those guys do not get drafted that often, or at least with high end draft capital. Right. I mean, who was some of the highest Derek Carr? Obviously, Zach Wilson last year, if you want to count that as a G5, him being an independent I just wanted to compare. I, I, I trust Jarek. Let me let me finish. I trust Jarek when it comes to the numbers, and he tells me QBR is a big deal. So I've got the QBR forever for most of the big name quarterbacks here in the 2022 class. If Jake Hader is so good, why is he kind of low here down on this list? He's not even over the magic line. Matter of fact, he never goes over the magic line. Get these numbers out of my face. Get these. Hang numbers. on. There's one more. I just, I just one more thing because I, I want to. I just want to do this because I, I actually do have a very serious question about this because obviously Derek Carr is a G5 quarterback who was who has become very good in the NFL. I don't know if a lot of people thought he was going to be good, especially this year so far to kick off the season. He's having a very good season, right? Went to Fresno State as well. Was in the Heisman voting, if I remember correctly, um, when he came out. He Hayner has never even had a season close to Derek Carr or Zach Wilson. And I put Daniel Jones in here just for fun. I was talking to Austin about that because none of us think Daniel Jones is good. And he's outproduced Jake Hayner in QBR in most of his seasons. So realistically, do you think Hayner has a shot to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? I do. Jake Hayner has had two seasons as a starter, this season and last season. Last season, he was also splitting time. Okay. And so you said he hasn't. You can bring up that graphic again if you want to. I just look at his numbers. You look at his numbers this year. Those numbers are very similar to what Derek Carr did in his final season at at Fresno State. I'm, listen, 
yes, he's a G five quarterback, but I I don't I mean two of the two of the first three picks in last year's drafts were not from Power Five conferences. I'm telling you that there's going to be a team that falls in love with Jake Hayner, and he's going to get drafted, and he's going to be someone that I roster. Listen, I I don't know that I don't know that anybody was shouting Jake Hayner's name except for us on this show over the That's last correct. year. That, and now correct. what are people saying? Jake Hayner might be in the Heisman conversation now. He might be in the Heisman conversation now after his performance. So let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. He's going to continue to be efficient. And, and you know, I really I remember Russell Wilson his last season at Wisconsin. I remember seeing him against Michigan State. They played Michigan State twice that season. And uh the first game at at East Lansing, if I remember correctly, I think that that game was one on a on a Hail Mary. Um, but Russell Wilson was just so good and he was just he wasn't necessarily as super physical, but just remember I remember him being so efficient. That's what I see in Jay Kaner. And I don't know that Russell Wilson necessarily had the absolute, you know, and I, I don't want to say Russell Wilson has a cannon, but he has these rainbows that he throws 70 yards down the field. That could be what Jay Kaner develops. To, it, because we we he's not going to be someone who's going to be making opposite hash throws and you're going to be throwing you know 25 yard outs with Jake Hayner. He can't make those throws, but you know it's not a he doesn't have a fastball. But could he be a player that develops you know this ability to attack deep, allowing wide receivers to get under the ball? Yeah, he could. And I tell you what, I think that he's going to work for it after his time at Washington, not getting that starting job, and then coming to Fresno State. Uh, transferring to Fresno State and playing like he has, I, he's a player that I want to invest in. He's a player that I feel comfortable about calling my shot on because I think that that kid is mature. I think that he wants it, and I think that coaches are going to fall in love with him. After the performance he gave, gave Saturday, I do not disagree with you because that was a gutsy performance. I will give you all the credit in the world and Jake Hayner because – he looked – I mean, you could almost argue after that hit he, that he may have broken his hip with as bad as a hit as he took in the way he was walking, and he still went down there and drove him down the field and won that game. And just to illustrate your point, because I know how you feel about Jake Kaner, I wanted to throw you a little bit of a bone and help you out. That's his name there at the top of that list was Zach Wilson on completion percentage. That's how good he has been when it comes to that. He blows every single buddy out of the water. Now, I can't pull up Trey Lance and Carson Wentz. They were obviously not G5, but they were lower guys. You talked about due to them playing in the FCS. We aren't able to really verify their stats to be able to put them in here in Jarek's stuff. But, I mean, he's actually, if in the actual graph, he's slightly more efficient than Zach Wilson when it comes to completion percentage. So, he, when it comes to that, he is exactly what you are saying he is. We're going to keep – we're going to continue to track him. He's one of our – I keep saying our. He's one of my favorite players, so that means we're going to talk about him on this show. So, all right, um, let's move to week three in general, Matt. We're at week three. I think that things are really coming into focus now, and so I want to know what takeaways that you have. Let me start. There are no dominant teams in college football this year. There are absolutely no dominant teams. We saw Alabama win with just two points over Florida. I don't know that Florida is that dynamic of an offensive team, but they were able to put up uh, 29 on on Alabama. Oklahoma, I thought that that game was going to be an absolute boat race. I thought that they were going to dominate Nebraska. Uh, We saw this with Oklahoma last year where they started off slow and then they really picked up steam. I thought that that would be that game for Oklahoma uh, this year where they really picked up steam and they dominated dominated Nebraska. They didn't, so you can't trust them. And we need to talk about Spencer Rattler. He's going to have a very interesting decision at the end of the season, but I don't know that there's anyone you could – Iowa State, dark horse for the playoffs. You know, he they're, they're, they've already lost to, uh, to Iowa. There's just no dominant player, and as far as as far as – of the players that we expected to be dominant in fantasy, I think you can really only point to one. I think you can point, well, maybe two. You can point to Michael Mayer. You can point to uh, Bryce Young at Alabama. But I even question whether or not you can start the the four that we had, the three, the other three that we had as top uh, four quarterbacks in DJ Uyunglele, Sam Howell, and 
um, and Spencer Rattler. So as far as my week three takeaways, it would be that I don't know that we can trust really anyone except for Bryce Young. I don't, as far as players go, I don't know that we can really trust any team other than Alabama, and they're still going to get Ole Miss. They're still going to get Georgia yep. uh, in the SEC championship game, and I'm not going to be surprised when they if they drop a game this year. Yeah, so one of the takeaways I had from this weekend, uh, I've talked a little bit about Cincinnati. Um, I'm starting – I picked them to make the playoffs. I'm a little bit worried about that now. Ritter just did not look good. He has not progressed as much as I had hoped he would coming into this year, which leads me to my second point. I am very curious, and we're probably never going to get an answer to this. I think COVID affected a lot of these players, or the COVID season last year affected a lot of these players more than we think. We've talked so much about guys like Jaden Daniels, DJU on Lele, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howe. They took a little step forward last year, and we thought they'd take another step forward this year. I wonder, due to limited practices, the games that were canceled here and there all throughout the season, especially a guy like Jaden Daniels, how much that may have actually affected their development and growth because we have not really seen that out of any of these guys outside of Bryce Young. And my last takeaway, and, and I hate to say this because it seems like he's actually watching the show and I was hoping he just wouldn't even listen to this. Whether it was by purpose or not, Austin's zero QB strategy seems to have been the best thing to happen to C2C leagues this year because realistically now, if you were in the top five and you didn't take a Bijan, a Tank, a Travion Henderson, and I'm not even talking about the wide receivers, if you didn't get one of those running backs that looks like they're going to be a stud in the next coming years, or Bryce Young, you may have just wasted your first-round pick because, as you just mentioned, none of these QBs inspire any confidence in me whatsoever for the NFL draft. I'm getting a little bit happier with Sam Howell after the last two performances, but he's still got a long way to go. It's it's going to be a really weird year. I mean, Matt Corral was drafted in the fourth round uh, in most of our drafts last year, so it's just a – if you decided to go zero QB, you are likely very happy with the way your team looks right now. I have one zero QB QB team. It's a a league with the undroppable 16 team uh, league. So it's very easy to go to go zero QB in that type of format uh, since it's so spread out. Listen to my quarterbacks, Tanner Mordecai, Michael Pratt, uh, Luke Altmaier, who hasn't played yet. Hunter Deckers, of course, Jake Hayner, Sam Hartman, Drake May, Tanner uh, Tanner McKee. Anthony Richardson. I mean, I can start Anthony Richardson when he's healthy. I can start Jake Hayner. But I've been starting Tanner Mordecai and Michael Pratt, both of whom are averaging 21 and 35 points a game. No, let's give credit uh, to Austin for that strategy. It's It definitely worked for me in that in that uh, situation. And I'm also starting Travion Henderson uh, in that league. All right. Um, where are we at here? What did we learn? Are we stock up, stock down? Stock up, stock down. Stock up, stock down. I think you can throw a dart in, in in any player is stock down. I mean, we mentioned the top four quarterbacks. I don't know that there's a tight end that you necessarily want to have. We thought Will Mallory would be a player that would kind of uh, emerge this year. He has it. Um, let's see what we get from Elijah Arroyo. Jameer, even like Jameer Gibbs, I still have him as my number two ranked um, running back, but he, he, he hasn't been as effective catching the ball out of the backfield with Yates there and not uh, Jeff Sims. But you got to go stock up on Travion Henderson. You got to go stock up on Travion Henderson. I think you got to go stock up on Rashad White at uh, Arizona State. And you got to go stock up on Will Shipley at the running back position. Um, Raheem Sanders down at uh, Arkansas a player that we were very high on to start off with. I think you have to be even higher on him seeing he's not getting a lot of touches, but the touches that uh, he is getting, he looks like a very powerful and physical running back. Um, and then, I mean, at the quarterback position, Michael Penix down, Spencer Rattler down, Sam Howell, I think is staying steady. DJ Uyunglele after, after three weeks, you got to be stocked down on him. I still think he can turn it around. Um, at wide receiver, I mean, just throw a dart. Anyone stocked down. Trey, uh, tr- uh, Burks, stocked down. Hasn't been as involved in the offense as we thought he would be. So I think that you could really th- throw a dart and just say just about anyone is stocked down. But, Matt, who do you got? 
Yeah, so I just went with two running backs here. Uh, stock up on Kenneth Walker. I talked a lot about him in the offseason. You know, Austin and Mike, uh, Mike, I apologize. I'm probably going to butcher your last name here. Valeri, uh, they talked a little bit about him on our Slack channel as well. He, he's a guy that's been talked about a little bit, but I think a lot of people are hesitant to buy into him. Didn't really become the guy at Wake Forest. Transfers to Michigan State, and there was a lot of questions on whether he'd be the guy there. Uh, so far this year, he leads the league in rushing yards right ahead, or not right ahead, 70 yards ahead of your guy's uh, guy, Brandon Thomas. Uh, he's got just an insane amount, or not even an insane amount of times, just 57 attempts, which the highest right now in the in the country is Greg Bell with 71, and he's over 90, almost 90 yards behind him. Uh, he's sitting there with 35 missed force tackles, which leads the country as well. He's not the most elegant and versatile running back. Like when you watch him, he's not like the most beautiful runner in the world. You don't look at him and think of like Bijan, Travion Henderson, but he gets it done. I, I'm worried, obviously, about the reception the reception side of this game. He doesn't really do a lot there. He didn't do a lot of that at Wake Forest, so I don't know if that's going to limit him when he goes to the NFL, but I think he's got NFL upside just based on the way he runs. I I, I said when it happened, I thought it was a great move for him going into the Big Ten because a lot of people view Big Ten defenses as set up to stop the run, and he's gone in there and then done that against Big Ten teams. I think that that's going to look good for his draft stock. I don't think he's anything more than like the third or fourth round draft pick, but he's definitely got stock up compared to, I think I had him at like RB 24 coming in the season. The next closest was someone had him at like RB 40 or 50 in our ranks. So he's a, uh, he's a guy that I think everybody is now starting to come around on is really good. Obviously friend of ours in front of the show, Jared Wackerly was also someone who was very high on Kenneth Walker coming into the season and then stock down on a guy that, well, I don't think any of us at Campus Canton really thought he had major NFL upside, but there were a lot of people in the Debbie community talking about him having a good year, and if he had a good year, he was going to possibly shoot up the boards, and that's Sincere McCormick, and he is not really having a good season at all. I was trying to pull up his thing here, and then it just went away. Just 272 yards on 62 attempts right now, just 18 missed force tackles. He's just not looking like the same player he was last year, even the year before that. Um, I think stock is starting to go down on him a little bit. He's already a little bit undersized. That, that was kind of, I think, my worry. Not, I can't speak for you guys on what your fear was for him, uh, but I think he's really starting to fade more into, like, I still think he'll get drafted. But if he continues to play like this, he's leaning more toward like that sixth, seventh round draft pick back end of the roster guy. You know who I'm stock up on, Matt? Who? Prize picks. Prize picks. That's right. I am stock up on prize picks. And if you guys didn't know, you can, if you deposit just $20 on prize picks, number one, you'll get a match of your $20 up to $100. You'll get a batch of uh, 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 $20. Use promo code C2C, promo code C2C. Not only will you get a match, you get the chance to win money playing player props, but you also get a free subscription to the website, to campus2camp.com, using promo code C2C. The website itself, that's a one-year subscription. The website itself, if you bought it itself, is $29.99 for the year or, or $2.99 for the month. If you go to prize picks for new depositors only and use promo code C2C, $20 gets you a match of $20 and a one-year subscription to campus2can.com. It's a no-brainer. Stop this podcast right now. Go to prize picks. Set up your uh, account. Use promo code C2C, promo code C2C. The other thing I got to let you know about as we are bookending your Saturdays with our shows, the tailgate in the morning and coast to coast. If you are oh, going to stay up with us late at night for coast to coast, uh, we usually go live after one of the late games for, for those staying awake with us. Sometimes even, even the hosts are uh, a, a little sleepy at that time, but stay up with us. Uh, get up 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, the tailgate coast to coast. Uh, after the late after the late games one more thing we appreciate the podcast reviews keep those coming in debbie debate campus to canton podcast feed uh keep keep those coming in we appreciate the podcast reviews i need i need at least five i need five more podcast reviews by the by the time we get to next week and i'm going to read them on the air we're going to read them on the air give me five new podcast reviews on the debbie debate feed on the debbie debate feed and we're going to read them on the air all right matthew Yes. Are we ready for the debate debates? Let's do it. 
Question one, is Spencer Rattler startable in C2C leagues? Yes, he is. I mean, he's still a top 20 scoring quarterback right now. You can't sit him unless you're rolling with – I mean, with the quarterbacks you have in your 16-team league, yes. Absolutely, you can sit him because you're rocking Tanner Mordecai and Jake Hayner, who are currently sitting as a number two and three starting quarterbacks behind the – you know, God among us right now, Matt Corral, but he's still a top 20 scoring quarterback. I mean, I, I have major reservations about him going into the NFL. I said that at the beginning of the year, that's why I had Hal above him, but right now he's still top 20 scoring quarterback. You imagine he's going to start to get that more locked in as we move forward with Lincoln Riley. They're going to get some easier games on the schedule. So I believe he is still a starting quarterback in C2C formats. Uh, I'm looking at a team where I have him rostered. He's had, 20 let's see he's had 26 45 and 23 points i mean those i mean in the college fantasy format 23 25 points really isn't doing a whole lot for you you can get that from anyone let alone someone you took took as high as spencer rattler that 45 game is more of what we want think about kj jefferson um think about even carson strong is averaging 28 points a game um uh Tanner Mordecai, uh, uh, Michael Pratt with his rushing ability. There are just so many guys that you could take later than Spencer Rattler who are producing just as well as he as he is. And so the, the answer is, is, sure, you can start him, but, um, you know, he, he's not going to have these explosive numbers every week. I mean, that he's averaging 30 points a game, but that's a little bit deceptive. The what the root the point that I want to talk about with Spencer Rattler is what does he do if he continues to play you know not up to what we expected from him this year and if he plays that way the entire season I don't think he's locked in as a number one pick maybe he's a first round draft pick but I don't think through three weeks that you say yep Spencer Rattler first round draft pick I don't think that's what we're seeing from him right now so what does he do what does he do at the end of this season? He's going to have a decision to make because I don't think that he's guaranteed to have that job next year if he decides to stay. Caleb Williams, say what you want about him as a high school passer. He looked very good in the spring game, but he's going to be very efficient as a runner. He's going to be Cam Newton as a runner. He's going to be Anthony Richardson in that department. And so Spencer Rattler may be forced, may be forced to make the jump to the NFL. But even if he does, I mean, am I wrong in saying that he's not necessarily a first-round draft pick if he continues to play this way? It's so hard to say that he isn't because of how bad this class looks, I think. I still think he'll get that value because – we know NFL teams are going to overrate some of these quarterbacks. I mean, we're talking about a, you know, and I'll, I'll even give him credit because he's looked better this year. Malik Willis, who none of us thought coming into the season was going to get a first round draft grade. And there's a chance that he might. And I think NFL coaches and GMs are going to look at Rattler and see the skill set that he has and look at those. Oh my God plays like those. He, he has some throws still. And some plays where he's like, wow, like there's the talent right there. And you know there's going to be at least one NFL GM and coach who thinks I can I can bring that out of him every single week, every single play. Just get him in my system, and it'll make it work. I do agree with you. If he decides to come back next year, it will not be at Oklahoma. I, I don't care if he ends up taking him to the playoffs and they get their first playoff win in who knows how long. I, it may even – no, it's not program history, but – and forever because they, they have not won um, a playoff game since the playoffs have been around at least. He's going to have to transfer. Caleb Williams is going to be the guy there. But I, I do think there's – I would put it at almost 90% shot that he go, comes out into the draft this year. I, I would be very surprised if he came back to college. Matt, let's skip to a conversation that's near and dear to your heart. Let's talk about Travion Henderson. After his 200-plus yard performance against Tulsa, should Travion Henderson be vaulted into the number one spot as far as Debbie running backs? Debbie running backs? No. C2C running backs, I would say yes. So, because there's a difference, you get another year out of him, and that matters. That's what I brought up. And Debbie, my thing has always been the same. I've said it from the beginning. I want my running backs in the NFL sooner. 
And Bijan, Austin has made very good points. Bijan has not shown me any reason to not bump him down as good as Henderson has been because Bijan has technically produced at the same level Henderson did last year. So, in Devi, I cannot move him over Bijan because I'm going to get Bijan a year earlier. And I believe that Bijan and Henderson, right now, if you had to ask me, those are the only two guys I think will will get round one draft capital, which is very rare for running backs. We don't really see that that much. Most of the time, they're now drafted in the second round. I don't think Bigsby gets it. I don't think Jameer Gibbs gets it. I really, I mean, Isaiah Spiller has moved up to my number one in this 2022 class. I don't think he gets first round draft capital this year. So for me, it's just going to be Bijan and Travion. C2C leagues, yes, I would take him because you get that extra year. I think he's going to be in the better offense. He's going to get more more attempts. He's going to get a chance at more touchdowns. I think they're going to use him in the receiving game more because Ryan Day right now, I think, has a better grasp of what his offense is than what Sark does because Sark is still, in a way, rebuilding that Texas program. While Bijan is the focus of that offense, they still haven't figured out their quarterback, their wide receivers aren't great, that offensive line is not nearly as good as Ohio State's. So I think Henderson will outproduce Bijan the next two years. So in C2, C leagues, yes, I want him. I would put him at one over everything, but I, I think Bijan and Debbie, I'd, I'd keep Bijan at one right now. Well, even in campus to Canton leagues, I mean, eventually those players that you have rostered uh, on the college side are going to make it to your NFL side. And so I still want Bijan Robinson number one. I think that Bijan Robinson is a better. Uh, potential NFL running back. He reminds me of Saquon Barkley. I think that he's a better receiver. Where where we have seen Travion Henderson kind of catch balls out of the backfield, we've actually seen Bijan Robinson line up in the slot and run routes as a wide receiver. We haven't seen that yet from Travion Henderson. And Travion Henderson, as good as I think he is, he still reminds me of Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush's usage in the NFL. Like he's going to be a player that has to be schemed, that can be used in space and stuff like that. I'm not sure that he's somebody that you're going to um, just turn around and give the ball to 37 times like they did uh, against Tulsa. I just don't know if that's going to be his usage at the NFL level. That's his first game where we actually saw him used in that way. So it's still, I mean, there's still a lot of time to develop for um, for uh, uh, Travion Henderson, but watching his high school film, and just how he was used and how they've used him at Ohio State. I was like, that's Reggie Bush to me. That's Reggie Bush to me. And Reggie Bush was an electric player at USC and still an electric player um, uh, in the NFL, but in a smaller role. And I think that that could potentially be how Travion Henderson is well, used. So. Let me ask you something on that, though, because I think Reggie Bush was ahead of his time. No, it's not a bad oh, thing. I agree with you. If Reggie Bush was here now, he'd be in a better version of Alvin Kamara, which is why I think Henderson can be good in the NFL because you have NFL coaches now who use those running backs the right way. I agree with you, Bijan is probably better in between the tackles. But I think now in the NFL version that we live in, I think that would not be a bad thing because he could be used in an Alvin Kamara-esque role. Granted, you have to go to the right offense and all that other stuff, but I, I think that he can be very good. Reggie Bush, if that's the comp you're going to put on him, I think if Bush were in this era, it'd be he'd be phenomenal. He'd be a top 12 fantasy back every single year. Yeah, and it would depend on what offense it, that he's in because I Saquon yes. Barkley is – a better running back prospect than Reggie Bush was. And Saquon Barkley is not used correctly uh, uh, with the Giants. I mean, they just hand the ball, they just hand the ball yeah. off to him and, and have him run into the back of his, of his, of his lineman. Um, and so it's totally dependent on where he, where he, where he lands. Uh, even, I mean, even, you know, Clyde Edwards or are, 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 are people happy to have Clyde Edwards or uh, on yeah. their dynasty teams right now. I think that's still to be determined. All right. Let's move here. You mentioned Isaiah Spiller. Yeah. I mean, you've answered this question, but maybe elaborate a little bit more. Has he locked up the tier one uh, 2022 running back spot to himself? Yes, for me, he has. And that's, a that's I think, a big statement coming from me because I was very much on the Brees Hall train earlier this year. I had him as 1A and 1B with Bijan Robinson. Um, and as me and Austin talked, I can't remember if this was on Coast to Coast last week or maybe it was off air. Brees has not looked like the same player we saw last year or even his freshman season. And that does worry me because we already knew his athleticism, his athletic ceiling was capped. It is not what Isaiah Spillers is. And Isaiah Spillers continued to look like that guy. And in my opinion, he's made some even more impressive catches this year uh, than I, what I saw out of him the past two seasons. So I think 
just based on everything we know right now about this 2022 class, none of these other guys are really doing anything. You know, Zamir White's guy you were talking about, he's been okay at Georgia, hasn't really flashed. It was really just Isaiah and Brees. And I think Isaiah has completely separated himself to being the RB1 of this class in a tier of his own. And everybody else kind of falls down in that tier too. That's why I said, I don't think it happens, but if there was one, if you had to tell me one running back was going to get drafted in the first round of 2022, it would be Isaiah Spiller. Uh, I absolutely agree with you, but I mean, I said this on Twitter. If if I had the one on one in the twenty twenty two class, man, I'd be try, trying to trade that. I'd well, be trying to trade back, that, yeah. and I'd be trying to get trying to get a twenty twenty three first because I just don't know that Isaiah Spiller is the type of running back that you want to build a dynasty team around. And I'm I'm scared that this that this 2022 class overall is just full of landmines, just absolutely full of landmines, specifically at the running back position, but not even just limited to the running back position. Let's do one more here. Since we're talking about that 2022 class, Matthew, um, is Traylon Burks the consensus wide receiver for 2022? I think so. Uh, Obviously, I love Garrett Wilson, he has not been able to produce. Maybe that's on the quarterback. The offense has not looked that good. I want to see that. David Bell was my number one. He's looked okay. He's got the concussion now. He's probably going to be out for a week or two. I know the analytics love David Bell, but I think there is some questions about what he can be at the next level. When I saw that play from Traylon Burks last week, I think it was, where he caught a ball at, and I don't know how big he is again, at, at, off the top of my head, six-something, whatever, 200 uh, how big is Traylon Burks I can't remember off the top of my head right now he's a I mean, massive he's 225 human being. pounds yeah. yeah 63 230 thank you Chris Moxley to outrun that entire defense for 70 yards for a touchdown if he were in an Alabama offense right now if he was in Ohio State's offense if he was in I don't even who's uh, if he was with Jay Kaner right now at Fresno State he would in my opinion be the clear number one wide receiver fantasy-wise, and I think he would be showcasing exactly what his skill set is. Granted, he plays a lot in the slot. That worries me. I want to know if he can beat players on the outside. I have not had a chance to really dive in and look at that, but I think based on his skill set and his size, he can do things that Garrett Wilson can't with that speed, and Garrett Wilson would be my wide receiver one right now, so I would move Burks ahead of him. Wilson doesn't have the speed that Burks has. He really does. I don't know that that's – I absolutely do not know that that's true. I'm looking at Garrett Wilson in his combine testing coming out of uh, high school. He ran a 4.61. Now, for context, the fastest wide receiver time was a 4.45, some guy that you've never even heard of. 4.61 is very, very fast for a high school player. Say, Quan Barkley famously ran a 4.66. Justin Jefferson ran a 4.78. 461 is plenty fast, and he had one of the best spark ratings at that combine. The best spark rating was Brandon Spector at 120.33, and he had a uh, 104.49. That's a very, very, I mean, this is a well rounded athlete. And quite frankly, we said that um, Ohio State's wide receivers would have a more difficult time this this season because they were playing with a new quarterback. They were probably going to emphasize the running game. That has come to fruition except for that Oregon game. Still, I've been very impressed with Garrett Wilson and how difficult he is to handle. And I just don't know that Traylon Burks has necessarily developed um, the technical side of of playing wide receiver yes he has all the physical skills but he had I mean he hasn't been as productive this season so I've I've got I actually was just playing with my rankings today and I moved Kate I had Traylon Burks number one I moved Kayshawn Boutte to number one he should have been there already um Garrett Wilson is my number two wide receiver and my number one wide receiver in the 2022 class Traylon Burks is number is number uh uh number two though Garrett Wilson's number one Traylon Burks is number two So I think that's going to make what this NFL draft so much fun to watch because I agree with you on Wilson. I think he's the more technically sound wide receiver, 
But we have seen in the past so, that some NFL franchises don't value that as much. I mean, we saw like in a Rashad Bateman, who I talked about being not, I think Wilson's better than Bateman, but the way he ran routes, and everything, he wasn't the most explosive on tape and he didn't have all this stuff that Burks or even Wilson has, but it's the way he ran routes, how technically sound he was. And he did get drafted in the first round. I think Wilson gets drafted in the first round, but I think the, Upside in the athleticism of Burks is going to lead a, I don't know that Oakland or not, I'm sorry, Las Vegas would do this, but like a Raiders team to be like, you know what, look at what this kid can do. I'm going to take him based on his pure upside. That's absolutely a Raiders pick. Uh, that's a, that's an Al Davis pick taking Traylon Burks. All right, let's do one more Debbie debate here before we wrap up the show for today. Emory Jones gets Florida within two points of beating Alabama we knew that that Anthony Richardson was not going to play uh, due to that hamstring injury he's questionable to play even this week should Emory Jones continue to keep his starting job at Florida yes because he didn't do enough to lose it in that Alabama game and I think that's the best test that they're gonna have uh, I mean, the fact that he brought them back, I mean, he didn't look great. And I think the one thing uh, in the, early in the game, and I think the one thing you say is he didn't crumble because they could have let that get out of hand very quickly. That uh, What was Alabama up 20-something to 10 or something like that? They got almost up fast. Going, they got up fast. Yeah, and he stayed in that game, and he brought, he brought Florida back to almost winning that game. Now, once Anthony Richardson comes back and is healthy, we'll see. But I don't see any reason why you pull Emory Jones out. He's definitely not the first-round pick. Some people crowned him to be earlier this offseason. I agree with you that Anthony Richardson's probably the better player. But good friend of our show, Adam Lewis, has stated many times that Dan Mullen is not going to make that move. He knows more about what's going on behind the scenes than we do. So I don't see why they would pull Emory Jones. I think he keeps the job. Yeah, he, he's going to keep the job. The question is, should he keep the job? Dan Mullen is so stubborn that he's not going to play one of his best players, and that's absolutely Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson should be given this starting job once he is healthy. His ceiling is ridiculous compared to what Emory Jones is. is. I mean, and you're going to play this conservative run-the-ball offense. Who's your best running back on the team? It's absolutely Anthony Richardson. So Anthony Richardson should be should they should turn over the keys to Anthony Richardson. Not only would it be good for his his individual development in the team, but you think about what Anthony Richardson could be as a draft pick and bring prestige to that Florida team. It's good for the program overall if you develop Anthony Richardson into a first round quarterback. Emory Jones, I'm sorry, Pro Football Focus. He's not a for, he's probably not even a draftable quarterback. He's not an NFL quarterback. So um the question is, is should Emory Jones continue to keep his starting job at Florida? No, he shouldn't. I mean, this is the this is the Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo debate here. I mean, it's we're just talking about what yes, Jimmy Garoppolo is fine, but the keys are going to be turned over to Trey Lance for some of the same reasons that the keys should be turned over to Anthony Richardson. So you're wrong, Matthew. The job should go to Anthony Richardson. I'd just like right. to echo um, what you said about the head coaches right there. There's a couple head coaches that are being very arrogant with their QB choices in, in college football right now, and I'll just leave it at that. Absolutely. Better players. Better players uh, oh, on the bench. Are you, talk, are you talking about Ryan Day? Oh, I'm not talking about anybody specifically. Course, just oh, throwing it out there into the ether for everybody to listen to. That's all. All right. Is is Chris Moxley here? Is Chris Moxley he around? He is here. I am here this week. Y'all were y'all were very very solid. Um, the one thing that I will say is that I don't know if it's totally fair to put all of these struggles on Brees Hall and not the Iowa State offensive line. They're ranked outside the top eighty in line yards gained, which is defined as uh, per rush attempt how many yards are attributed to the offensive line in terms of how many yards were gained on said play. So. Iowa State's offensive line wasn't good last year. They brought the whole unit back, very heavily struggling. I also like Isaiah Spiller, but I'm on team pump the brakes on Brees Hall. But well, can I can I ask you a question? You know, can yes. I ask you a question on that thing? Because I, I mean, again, I didn't know that part of the stats, but you just said that they brought that whole unit back from last year. Brees had an amazing season last year behind that offensive line, so that is just another reason why it scares me a little bit. Now, I still think he's going to be very good, but I, I'm a little worried that he, I mean, he had put up, what, 1,500 yards rushing? 
He's not even at two. Is I don't know off the top of my head. Is he two hundred something right now? He he just hasn't looked the same to me. Now, granted, I've only I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've only watched one Iowa State game. I've not gone and watched the other two that they played. But he's just not looked like the same player I saw last year. That maybe fall in love with him and put him over Bijan Robinson of all running backs in my rankings. No, I, I I think that's fair. I think last year he did it in spite of the line, and this year it's he's really getting exposed. For what it's worth. That's how we're attributing lines to the offensive uh, yards to the offensive line for carry. So take that for what it's worth. Well, I'm going to check out um, Isaiah Spiller. Uh, I, I was I had some questions after doing a deep dive with him with uh, Jared and Nick for Dynasty Nerds, and let's see if he's improved on just being. You you want a 225 running pound running back to run a certain way, and I just didn't see that as much as I wanted to from Isaiah Spiller in his uh, sophomore tape. So, all right, that is going to be our show for tonight. Of course, we want you to check out all the content around the campus to Canton family, all the podcasts, Canton Bound, Campus Life, Fantasy Roundtable, Why Wait Till Sunday, Three and Out, the shows, the tailgate, Coast to Coast. Check those out. But for tonight, we have to apologize to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Side of the field, intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25. And Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42-20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain, their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter Rimbaud caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races, nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! Up, made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards.